Hello there, fortune seekers. There is so much that goes into making a game. In fact, the process is so involved that we've already talked for 10 hours about just a fraction of what it takes. So today we're going to take an overview of where we are in that process. We will discuss our goals as to where we are in the journey at three different phases. First, when we first started making the game. Second, about midway through the journey. And third, where we are today. And we're going to dig into how we feel about it, whether we've uh, overachieved in our initial goals or if we're still falling behind or feel like we haven't quite hit where we wanted to get to. We're going to discuss all that and more today on this episode of the Mega Moth Studio Super Secret Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, game maker, and pizza slayer, Joel Watts, joined as always by Danny, who's not really in on the joke. <laughs> and uh, last week, Danny and I, on episode 10, we discussed where we see our game, X Seekers of Fortune, fitting into the marketplace. If you want to hear more about that or any of the other topics we've discussed, please take a step back in your uh, podcast feed and you know just go listen through the archives. Today in episode 11, we're going to discuss where we have exceeded our expectations uh, when we, from when we started our journey and where we still feel like we're lagging behind or what still needs to be developed further. Uh, if this is the first time you're hearing about the game called X Seekers of Fortune, uh, please take a moment to check us out on all the social medias. Uh, if you're a TikTok user, we're at Megamoth Studios. If you're on Instagram, we're at X underscore seekers underscore of underscore fortune. And then Facebook is just X seekers of fortune. Pretty easy there. But, you know, the biggest achievement that we've gotten to this uh, to this point, you know, in all of the goals, I did not expect this one to come to fruition. If you were just to Google X seekers of fortune, we are like the top three results. They're all relevant to us, including our website, megamothstudios.com being pretty much the first link you'll see. So please just go ahead and Google us and you'll find more than what you need to know. I noticed that you just kind of skipped over the part in your show notes where you were going to tell people to go back and listen to how you compared yourself to Genghis Khan as the most infamous person in history that you identify with. Uh, I didn't think it was Genghis Khan. Uh, if you listen back to the last week's episode, it was Winston Churchill. I'm pretty sure we're retconning that to Genghis Khan. Okay. And yeah, Danny had his uh, had a little chance at uh, modifying the show notes right before we started. So there might be a couple things in here that will surprise me and you. Um, all right, Danny. So before we get into our main topic today, which is going to be a meaty one, and it's in a way it's his own question of the week. Why don't we just do a quick question of the week, just so the audience who okay. might not know us can get to know us. And this one just, you know. I just think every now and then you kind of have to give back. And I just wanted to ask, who has grabbed your attention on social media this week, Danny? Well, okay. This is a, this is a good question. I think I can answer it mm -hmm. with a fairly normal answer. Okay. Uh, so my social media pick of this week, unsurprisingly, comes from TikTok because that is where I spend most of my time on social media these days. Mm -hmm. um, and I have found a creator... Uh, in the TTRPG space out of Oklahoma City named Jack Panic that I highly recommend following if you are at all interested in TTRPGs 
or just kind of getting started doing something in uh, the game space as as a business. So Jack is a extremely creative um, and generous with his his knowledge. Um, professional dungeon master. He operates in Oklahoma City. He does private sessions. I think if I was in Oklahoma City and I was remotely interested in joining a campaign that was super cool, I would absolutely reach out to Jack. Um, he shares some of the content for the campaigns that he's working with online, some previews for just kind of how he sets the scene um, and kind of um, share some of the the art and illustrations and maps and you know NPC portraits and things that he uses, and I just I've never wanted to sit down at a table for four hours and disappear into someone else's imaginary world more than watching uh, Jack's TikTok. So my pick of the week is Jack Panic. Highly recommend you give him a follow on TikTok and uh, inundate yourself with some super sweet TTRPG content. Oh, that sounds excellent. Jack Panic. I will have to check him out. Uh, I would love to learn more about that because I think you showed me one of his videos and he was talking about being a professional dungeon master. And I just think that that's a wonderful time we're living in is because dungeon mastering, I've listened to my fair share of D&D podcasts and campaigns and to do it right, it really is a full-time commitment. So I'm just really happy that you know people see the value of hiring a skilled and qualified DM because it is definitely not for the faint of heart and it's it's not for everybody. So if somebody has that skill set and the talent for it, they should probably be, be getting compensated, uh, especially if they're offering their services, you know, around your schedule. Yeah, and for what is probably fairly comparable in price to going to a movie, like I think that that's a much better custom experience that's going to be super memorable. And, um, you know, way more fun than you're going to have at the movie theater. So, again, I don't know if I'm, I'm misrepresenting Jack's prices here, but based on something I saw in a video, I think that it's not unfair to, to compare it to what you might spend at a movie theater. Okay. Well, Danny, for my answer, I'm going to give you a little uh, choose your, I guess, choose your own poison moment. Would you rather me talk to you about a podcast or about a YouTuber? Uh, see, none of the above. <laughs> Okay, well then, <laughs> what, what were my options? Podcast or YouTube? Yeah, there's a podcast that I could tell you about, or a YouTuber I could tell you about. Is this like a false choice? And no matter what I answer, you're going to just start talking about yourself? I mean, I considering I consumed the media, I assume that I will end up talking a little bit about myself. But you're not like the YouTuber or podcaster in question here. No. All right, talk to me about the the, the, the YouTuber. Okay, well, uh, recently, I guess it's like I've taken a long road to get to like some of the YouTube classic people, or I shouldn't say classic. They're probably like the new era, the new school YouTubers um, that are coming about. Like uh, Jarvis Johnson is a great example. Uh, Curtis, I forget his last name, but the one that's really caught my attention is uh, Chad Chad, and she's a, I don't know, she's just a commentator commentary youtuber i'm not even sure what the genre is they're like react like somewhere between a comedy stand-up set and but they're sitting down and just recording themselves and uh video essays because they're usually kind of being critical about things that are happening on social media usually around you know commentators of certain political varieties 
Uh, and I just, I don't know, she's just really hilarious. She has a, quite a dry sense of humor and uh, just a really good presentation uh, of her material. And it seems to, like I said, stick with the theme of, um, you know, sort of taking it to certain kinds of uh, commentators. Um, so I don't know, I just think if you haven't explored the, the both info, the infotainment of YouTube, I would highly recommend maybe giving Chad Chad a try. Uh, that's the, her handle. So yeah, I really, I think she's just hilarious. Nice, nice. I thought you were gonna say Mr. Beast. <laughs> hey, if you haven't heard about Mr. Beast, get with the program here because he's doing these things. Like he took a hundred darn people and put them in cages. I will say that I just started noticing Mr. Beast increasing his activity on LinkedIn. And it's very interesting to start seeing a bunch of really popular Mr. Beast posts in, on LinkedIn. That is that is strange. I'd want, I mean, he is a very hiring. Busy, busy, that is true. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has to hire people for his, his uh, the massive productions he puts on. I mean, I'm not interested. I'm not that into that s scale of YouTuber. Uh, but, you know, I have to give him credit for, like, basically doing things that network TV didn't even do, uh, on, like, at, at those scales. It's just, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to reproduce a lot of his stunts with you doing the stunts without the same safety precautions. Oh, no, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going, you're going to talk me into it. I have a feeling which just, like, I'm just going to get caught with my pants down, almost literally, and just be like, why is there a camera here right now? And then I open a door and... I'm, I don't know. I, I, I've somehow. Why I, am I controlling the submarine with the game controller? Hard mode. All right. Well, I don't think Mr. Beast it needs any more plugging. I prefer, like I said, I prefer like the medium big YouTubers. Uh, I'll tell you more about some of my other YouTube faves on other episodes. Uh, but right now, why don't we go ahead and get into today's topic? So, Danny, a few weeks ago, you went on TikTok to solicit questions uh, for the show. And we got one question back that I thought what you thought we thought. I think this was a we situation. Uh, yeah, because you got you got one question back that we thought was so good. We just wanted to make an entire episode around it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We got one from a gentleman named team rip i think it's team rip so i read it as um, team r.i.p rest in peace well it's it's yeah it's difficult to say with magic right like the first thought is is it ripping booster packs that would make sense mm -hmm. but i mean it could be that he just has a pet card in rest in peace so you know he wouldn't be the first person to have a unhealthy yeah. uh, obsession with that card, but I have a feeling it's the Or he had a very the former. tragic team kill situation. You know, the rest of his team is rest in peace because he accidentally fragged him. Or maybe it's like a tragic arrogance situation, like with Gideon and all his like dead Greeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh, I feel like that's going to seem real strange out of context for those who do not pay much attention to magic i i i mean i recognize the name gideon but that was basically as far as i went with that one well gideon's been dead a while i i no spoilers <laughs> i know they the, it's always the best they they always take the best ones away from us don't they and leave us with well they got rid of venser and dak faden so i would agree with that mm -hmm. i mean and then like elspeth but then they brought elspeth back but under the precondition that they would make her worse <laughs> 
isn't that isn't always the case. I mean, they stuck with Urza being dead for so long, too. I mean, Urza wasn't... I mean, I feel like he was such a great character, and they were just like, nope, he's dead, and he's going to always be dead. I wish I could tell you confidently that I know if Urza is alive or dead, but who knows what they've done here in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like 17,000 years in, in magic product time. <laughs> yeah, in this day and age. Well, why don't we... Anyway. What did Team Rip have to ask us so yeah so team rip writes uh when you look back at when you first started designing your game which goals have you hit which have you exceeded and would you say you under or overestimated them so i added a couple extra words in there just to make it a little bit easier on the people listening Mm -hmm. so uh yeah Yeah, that was the uh the question well there's a lot of meat on that bone so why don't we get down to nibbling on it team rip ask about our goals I'll start by laying out some of our major goals, and then we can chew on it together. Sounds like uh, <laughs> something that you uh, you would say very naturally and not have had written for you by <laughs> someone who likes hearing you say bizarre things. <laughs> well, I didn't get a chance to re- rehearse my lines. I could take it again. Uh, you know, I think we've had enough nibbling. Let's uh, let's go ahead and, and jump on into it. Uh, what do you want to do? You want to start off by uh, laying out the, the goals or explaining how we're going to do this? All right, Danny. So I think just for the sake of organization, we should probably break the game down into three different eras um, of, of goals, you know, because as this project has grown in scale, it's definitely changed. Our, 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 what we want it to be has changed and what our perspective is to why we get up to do this has changed as well. And I, I think the first era would be the beginning. And I could say uh, overall what I was like most latched onto was just having a creative project to work on with my one of my best friends was very uh, important to me. And then but then once we moved into like the midway zone, when the game was really coming together, it really turned into, you know, wanting to turn this game into a work of art, uh, which meant that it being uh, fun, sticky, deep and worthy of competitive play. And that became like our driving motivator. Uh, and then once we got hit all of those and we felt like the game, we had the game in, in the, you know, in our hands the way we wanted it, you know, with only minor adjustments and tune-ups to make, then it became, we got to scale this game to a broad audience and engage players uh, with, you know, a, at the very least a regional organize, organized play structure. And I would just say, you know, in general, growing our business and our community. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty good way of looking at the you know evolution or progression of our goals. Um, you know, it, it started pretty pretty um, small. You know, uh, it was a very like down to earth goal that was really more about connection. You know, coming out of the pandemic, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just grown and grown and grown. Feels like a snowball going down a hill. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I completely agree. I. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in front of a microphone talking to you on a podcast, and that wasn't even one of our goals on the onset. I think it was like around the midway point, we started talking about, oh, to really grow our community, we're going to need to have things like a podcast and have a Discord server, possibly doing live streams in the future, which we're still looking into and, uh, you know, uh, kind of like under the mentorship of Laird uh, in order to make happen. But 
Yeah, it was actually one of my goals to not have a podcast. <laughs> I failed that abysmally. <laughs> I drug I drug you across the the lines because I was always I was just on the lookout for what can I uh, have a podcast about that I'm an expert of, and then I figured, oh wait, I created a game. I'm an expert of the game. I'm going. What to did force. you drug me with? I, I said dragged, not drugged. But if uh, if I were to choose a drug, I mean, I you know I'm a. I'm a pretty reasonable man, probably just some X-lax. You know, I think that would put you into, you know, into a very Not the right drug for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is for me to sit in front of the microphone. <laughs> you can always bring the microphone with you. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're going to pass on that option. Okay. Well, you're really showing your inner Genghis Khan. <laughs> well, I, so let's... Uh, Let's go back to the beginning then, uh, before the podcast, well before the podcast. And yeah, like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you have your own perspective on this, but when you first brought the game to me, um, I was, I, I, you know, it was like October of last year. I was a few months out of having a major health crisis that I was still like dealing with. Basically I had an emergency and, uh, they, fixed the emergency part of it. It had to do with my uh, intestines and a infection that was going on in there. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but basically they fixed the infection, but then I would, was looking forward to having a surgery shortly after that uh, in early of this past year, uh, like in January. Um, so I think I was like just in a bit of a mental funk, mental fog of like, where is my life going? Cause you know, uh, I was, I don't know, like, I was closer to death than I think I could have appreciated, uh, you know, before having been there. So once I was all fixed up, I kind of found myself, like I said, in a funk. And that's when, you know, a few months into that is when you came to me with this idea of doing a, of creating a game and you had thought up a, a card game that you thought would be fun and a little more casual for people than uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, so what were uh, so my goal at that time, like I said, was just to get kind of back in the creative groove and to work on something with you, uh, somebody who had been a great creative partner in the past. Um, what were at the time? What were your goals? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. You talk about being in a, a funk. You know, like you know, um. You know, at that point, I mean, even now, but at that point, especially, you know, I was in the middle of, you know, going through a divorce and trying to kind of recalibrate my life. And I had spent the last, you know, eight years really invested in, in my family, which, of course, I still am. Um, but when the kids are younger, it's very difficult to have the bandwidth to do other things. Um, and I finally started to feel like there was like a little bit of room to start engaging with creative projects again. And, you know, you and I have always worked extremely well together, um, especially for like relatively large scope projects. Um, and so, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, this would be a really good way to re-engage. So, I mean, it is funny because we, you know, we've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but it's mostly been from the perspective of, you know, trying to make a game and our goals about trying to make a game. But I mean, I think really at its inception, it was, it was just as much about, you know, reconnecting a friendship and reinvigorating a spark of creativity and just kind of getting back on the horse of, 
of being a, a you know a creator again of of something you know and this was sort of a new genre for us to be working in but ultimately um yeah i would say that if we're looking at back at this through the lens of you know the initial goal just being you know do something creative with your friend i mean we killed it. <laughs> We're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's blossomed. I mean, it went from something that we would talk about, you know, uh, an hour to a day, you know, when we had a chance to ballooning into something that we probably spend at least four hours a day talking yeah. on the phone. You know, depending on the day, of course. You know, some days you're busier with your day job, and some days I have a little bit more going on. But you know, a good day where we're both firing on all cylinders, uh, we're easily putting in, you know, two to four hours just on the phone or, you know, uh, doing other parts of the project. So yeah, we definitely did that. Now, I think that's probably the thing I underestimated the most was just how, how much and how quickly the game would consume our lives. Um, you know, it, you know, you, you, you've got all kinds of projects you work on over your life that don't really take up a ton of bandwidth, you know? Um, but very quickly this thing became, you know, the, one of the primary, um, organizing factors in our life, I would say like a lot of my life right now outside of, you know, my family, um, is really dictated by, by the game. You know, my week is structured around, you know, my responsibilities to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, my year in terms of, you know, where we're trying to get in terms of the game. So the amount of time and how quickly it's gotten to this point that, you know, this time was required was something that I think I grossly underestimated. I can completely agree with you on that. I would, I would even say the key word I heard in there was structure where I, I almost feel like I need to do a little bit of restructuring of my own life, you know, to make sure that, um, I don't, you know, turn into some sort of workaholic, not to say that I, (laughs) I mean, I could definitely probably put more efficient work into the game, but I definitely have had a few days where I wake up, have my coffee and sit down to start working on the game thinking, oh, I'll just put in a couple hours into the game here on a day off and then I'm going to go and do some things only to look down. And I started working on the game 10, maybe 11, you know, after, you know, waking up, I sleep in a little because I tend to work a little later. And I'll look down and then it'll be five, six o'clock at night. And all those errands that I thought I should run before working on the game have passed me by, you know, passed by. So, um, yeah, I think I think I agree. It's like uh, I, I feel like the people who have made other games like Magic the Gathering would often say something to the effect of like, you know, don't worry about, you know, like basically the game just consumes ideas. You know, it, it just tears through your ideas you're never going to have enough for it. It's just constantly going to ha- want more and more. And it's kind of true about starting a business, starting a game in time. It's, and any time that you give it will not be enough. So you might as well be very intentional about the time that you hand over. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, we talked about this, I think, a little bit last episode. But, you know, at a certain point, you have to make an intentional effort to carve out time for yourself to just be human and do the things that refill your cup. Mm-hmm. Um, on the side of overestimation, to the extent that I overestimated anything at the beginning, I would say um, I overestimated the amount of time that it would take for the game to be at the point that it is, or like maybe like 
to the point that we were ready to share it with the world. Like I remember right before Comic Palooza feeling like we're not ready to lo- roll this out to the world. Like this is something that, you know, needs months and months more development, uh, which w- I think was completely wrong headed, uh, you know, in retrospect, you know, because the game has only benefited from that exposure and all the connections and everything that transpired from Comic Palooza. I mean, it's not a under, it's not an overstatement to say that many of the major th- components of our subsequent success are directly attributable to connections and experiences that we had at Comic Palooza. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, the, uh, not to give anything away, but we're going to have a few guests hopefully on the show here in the next few weeks, and the, those are going to be folks that we met at Comic Palooza or through somebody else that we met at Comic Palooza. Um, we've had events based on our success at Comic Palooza. Um, and yeah, and we were connected with the people that were pursuing to be the printers of our game based on the information we got from Comic Palooza. That was probably the turning point of the game. A hundred percent. But I also don't blame you. I mean, like, yeah, from the outside looking in, you just, you kind of want to present, you want to present people with perfection and you just constantly want to toil away and whittle away. But you forget that when you start showing, especially something like a game to other people, that's when it starts actually evolving and you get to actually respond to uh, people's, uh, how they interact with it. Um, so I, th- I, I understand like why you would, why, why we, it was, uh, in your nature to think that the game needed more work, but I would push anybody out there. It's like the sooner that you can feel comfortable showing your game off to other people or other creative type of projects, the sooner you'll get reactions and then you can react to those reactions. And that's usually going to cause you to get out of like certain headspaces you had about like, oh, this should be this way because it's just always been that way. And you start questioning, why do we do it this way? We've changed a few rules about the game and a few things, a few operations based on like, you know, getting feedback and, um, you know, just through play testing and showing it to strangers for the first time, you start to realize, oh, why do we do it this way? We only do it this way because we've played the game 30 times and we thought that that would actually improve the game to to make that change. Uh, I would say the example that comes most to mind is we used to, in our game, every turn you reveal an adventure, except at the time, the first turn, the first player first turn. And I think we just decided to do it that way because that's how a game like Magic the Gathering would do it. You wouldn't be able to draw on your first turn. But what we hadn't realized in our game is that it's questionable to say that the person who's taking the first turn is getting a big advantage. And we just made that decision because it's how Magic the Gathering did it. And, you know, making decisions based on how Magic the Gathering did something has steered us in a good direction often, but it's not always 100% true that it's the right way of doing things. And once we started playing with real people and we realized that it's, if you tell them that they, there's this thing that you do every turn, which is draw an adventure, except for on your first turn. It's just wasting a lot of time and breath to say that every single time you're teaching somebody new versus just t- saying, okay, the turn's order is you're going to draw, you know, draw an adventure, draw your leads and take your turn. And that's just one example of what it took us showing the game to outsiders for us to like learn and change about the game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that all really almost feeds into the second era goal. If you want to kind of maybe posit that one for us. Well, yeah, because I mean, once we okay, so I we've talked about this on the podcast before. The the I almost want to say mythical day that we actually showed our game off to two of our friends, our well, our friend Patrick and my brother Nathan. Um, I think from that point on, once we knew we had something, our goal switched into making a game that was fun, sticky, deep, and worth competitive play. Um, so I guess my question to you, Danny, is how did have we hit all of those goals and how did we do it? Yeah, I mean... I think by and large we have, I mean, I think it's not done. I mean, and it's not perfect, obviously it's never going to be perfect. I mean, we talk about this with, with writing and other creative projects a lot. It's not that you, you finish a work. It's, it's that you abandon it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you reach that point of diminishing returns or you reach a deadline that, you know, you don't have enough time to reach for those, you know, extra few points. Um, And you say, this is, this is all that it can be, you know, um, or this is all it's going to be. And then it's time to move on to the next thing. Um, we're not quite there yet, uh, with, with X seekers of fortune, but I think that we're, we're, we're not far from a point of diminishing returns. We're still learning a lot about the game, but I think about a lot of what we're learning is going to be applied to the next sets and, um, different ways of playing the game. Um, for instance, you know, we, we experimented, with drafting this weekend, I was in Atlanta visiting my brother and we ended up playing probably 10 games. Um, and we drafted the game for the first time. And it turns out that it is a very fun way to play the game. Um, and I expect that it might become the primary way it's played, especially at kitchen tables. Um, but, um, you know, overall, I feel like we've checked a lot of those boxes. Um, but that was because we were very, very intentional about it. And, you know, we kind of talked about, okay, hey, you know, we need a fun factor. We need this to be sticky. Mm-hmm. We want there to be complexity and depth, and we want people to play it competitively. And we just kept turning turning the dials until we, you know, started to see those features reflected in people's interaction with the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that this was like the era of us you know, like developing the game that was most rapid, I guess because of that, you know, it felt like the most rewarding um, because it's an era where we were, we were pursuing fun. We were pursuing exciting. We were pursuing like, let's make this thing better. We're still pursuing that. And obviously the playtesting you did with draft and I'm, I'm so excited to try the draft mode that you and Lucas have sort of it's developed. Sweet. Like, and I have my own ideas, like, cause I feel like we could have like multiple formats for this game. So I can't wait to try some of those with you. And we're, we're going to get those set up for trying out, but to rewind back to this midway point, we've shown the game off, we've received reaction. Um, and we're, we're, we're starting to invite more people to try it. And this is like the era when we decided on our theme, this is the era where we started creating the heroic feats. Uh, which we didn't even call heroic feats at the time. It was just like every, I felt like almost every day we got on the phone and talked. Uh, this was when I, I, it was a really good era for me to be able to, you know, cause I could just talk, we could just talk and talk and talk and kind of get to the bottom of an idea um, on the phone. And today it's like now uh, because of my job, I can be on the phone, but I can't really do much else. I can't like, you know, type out notes or like draft an email while I'm at my job. 
Um, and I think that's starting to hinder because we are working on businessy kind of things and we're needing to reach out to people outside of our group. But when it was just like cooking the game and, you know, like, you know, just checking, checking, like if the game is a meal, we were like, you know, just stirring the pot and checking the oven and, you know, prepping the, the, the materials are the, uh, you know, all the food. It was a really great time for us to be able to get a lot of work done in that theoretical headspace and then, you know, kind of bring all those ideas together and then, and run a play test like, uh, you know, every other day or so. And I don't know, it, I really enjoy building a business, but I think I'm really going to enjoy getting back to making either our next set, you know, starting from scratch with a new Action X deck to build the game around or building a new game from the ground up. That's a very exciting time. Once you get over that hurdle of, do we have something here? And once you know you have something and then all it becomes is just suiting it up, making it better and you know folding the steel of the game. Whew. But I would say um, to go back to those goals that you talked about, I mean, this is really, this is, this, you know, when we made the game fun and there's almost like a point where we realized, oh, we've made the fun Nick game fun and sticky. Like it went from being yeah. a game that we both, we both like enjoyed theoretically. And we thought would, there would be people out there who would want to play the game to being a game that we both, like, I, I remember one of the first games, the play test, when we had introduced some uh, new heroic feats into the game that changed the way it played. And I just remember thinking, oh, wow, this this has now made it to where this game goes deep enough where I, I don't know what the right thing to do is in any given situation. And that's when it became really fun and really sticky. It was interesting. I, when I was in Atlanta this weekend, um, we were talking about playing a game and it was kind of late. And Lucas's girlfriend, Sam, um, asked me like, hey, you know, because Lucas was like, hey, do you want to play a game? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And she's like, do you feel like you have to say that because it's your game? Uh, like you, like if someone asks you if you want to play your game, you feel obliged to, to play it. And, and I said, like, no, honestly, like we just worked really hard to make a game that we would almost always be up for playing. You know, and I, I, I mean that. I mean, we played a ton that weekend. I would play more. I don't get, you know, I don't get more tired of it than playing any of my other games that I really enjoy playing. Um but I would say on the side of like underestimating, yeah. I would say that I underestimated how much playtesting was going to be necessary. It's not like I didn't think a lot of playtesting would be necessary. I think it was just that we didn't have a really good mindset for how we would approach playtesting. And the idea of trying to playtest a game as complex as X Seekers of Fortune with just two people is not feasible. Like if it was just Joel and I playing now, we would not be anywhere near where we are. We've had been very fortunate to have other people who have taken to the game very quickly um, with really great minds for, for playing games that have helped accelerate our progress. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the sheer amount of playtesting for a game of, of this level of complexity is a little overwhelming. Yeah, um, I would say that there was a time back when it, we had shown the game off to like Patrick and Nathan, but we really hadn't like, you know, incorporated anybody else into playing the game. And at, in that era, I was actually pretty, I would, I would go as far as to say I was a little embarrassed thinking that we would try to release this game before we had adequately play tested it with a lot of people. And at the time I just couldn't imagine other people really playing the game. Um, I don't know why, but at, you know, it, it had just been you and I, and I was like, what are we going to do? Print the game and then start showing other people. 
now I feel a lot better <laughs> that we've had quite a few people take a look at our game and give it, a, you know, put it through its paces. But, you know, back then, yeah, it was definitely a, I would say, I mean, I was probably estimating the right amount of playtesting, but I also had no idea how we were going to get there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to imagine. On the other end of it, you know, with the overestimation, which I think is probably a positive thing, is I, I guess I overestimated how resistant people would be to trying a, a brand new card game. I figured a lot of people would be like, I have my game, no thank you. Um, but surprisingly, a lot of people from other TCGs, other types of games, have been really receptive to trying X Seekers of Fortune and to, to continuously playing it. So, I mean, that's something I think I would say I overestimated was just how resistant people would be to trying the game. Now, they're not perfect, but I have a feeling when I show up the store, not with sleeved cards, but with actual printed out cards with card backs on them. Ooh. You know, this is something that uh, we probably should have brought up earlier in the episode, but we now have our official... We're not official. We have our first prototypes that were actually produced by Game Crafter. And we have like 12 of these decks. So it's going to be much easier for us. I might as well show off an adventure as well. I think it's going to be much easier to show somebody this and say, ask if they want to try it out versus, you know, what we had before. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, we're going to be meeting up here in what? Next week or the week after? Next week. Oh, next week. Next week. Really? Uh, we're going to be meeting up, yeah. and I can't wait to hand off half of these bad boys to you. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, especially if you go to the right places, you're going to get a lot of people interested in trying out your game. And board game players are some of the like most interested, most curious, and nicest people to uh, to interact with, especially when you're presenting uh, a full fledged game to them. Uh, that has definitely yep. been something I. Under, I, yeah, I personally underestimated like just the generosity of that community. And I'm really happy Absolutely. to be a part of it now. Yeah, could not, could not agree more. So where are we today, would you say? Well, okay, so today we're, our main goals, I mean, we're building a business. So that means, you know, scaling the game for a broad, engaged player base uh, and creating an organized play structure. And mm -hmm. I mean, th those are big goals. Uh, Danny, what are we doing to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, this one's obviously a work in progress. We're not there. It's very daunting, but I, I do feel like the groundwork is taking shape every day a little bit more. Um, you know, this is something where, you know, we started Tuesday Night X as a campfire for people to gather every week around the game. And, you know, one of the biggest challenges is just finding players um, early on to play with each other and you know you have the game out there and it's digital and you think okay cool we've made it accessible but then like people show up and there's no one to play with like obviously it's not accessible mm -hmm. um and people want to learn with other people i mean for the most part you know especially tabletop games i mean they're social experiences and if you can't provide the social element you know you're kind of <laughs> <coughs> if you can't yeah. provide the social element you're kind of missing a big piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle there so um you know, this one where we haven't we haven't hit yet. We're still working up towards it, but I feel confident we'll get there. We're extremely adaptable. We're not going to get discouraged. You know, we'll encounter setbacks and we'll solve those problems and we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I want to say. I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn too much because, but this is also one of those things. It's like I forget who had the idea, 
But Tuesday Night X, you know, having that as a way of centering all of our players at one time for them to meet up. So that way we can get them to interact with each other and to play the game. I don't know. I think I think it's been a really good idea. I mean, granted, we are kind of curbing it from, uh, you know, Friday Night Magic, but Tuesday Night X has really taken off and we're starting to do league play with our folks uh, on on Tuesday Night X. And we want to open that up. We have one league of 10 players right now. Is that right? 10? Yep. And 10, I, 10 rivals. 10 rivals. Yes. Uh, with each other. And we'd love to get another league going. And this is where we're going to experiment that draft play that you talked about Tuesday night X. We want to get other players to experiment with drafting and get, give their feedback to us. So if you're out there and listening to this, but you're not participating in Tuesday night X, please come to the discord, uh, sign up for that. And you're going to be at the ground on the ground floor of making a whole new organized play environment that we're going to have to, you know, we're going to be taking out regionally here in the Texas region, but then exporting all throughout the nation and the world eventually. Uh, having an adventurer's guild at your local game store and being able to claim, you know, pr uh, price support there amongst all the card players. You know, that these are things that we definitely are planning on and we're working towards. And it's all being brewed and cooked up right now at Tuesday Night X on Discord. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that segues really perfectly into one of the things I over, uh, underestimated mm -hmm. here, which is just the sheer amount of new things we'd have to learn, whether it be Tabletopia or Discord, TikTok, Twitch. I mean, YouTube. it just seems like there's no YouTube, OBS, um, what a microphone is. Just there's like no end to like the kind of things that we've had to, you know, learn and expand our horizons about. So I would say that's what I underestimated, um, overestimated. I would say um, I kind of expected more resistance to people playing online or showing up to an online thing. But it turns out that, you know, as long as you can find a way to make it engaging, people will show up. You have to be reasonable, right? Like, make sure you're not asking for too much. You know, we do from 8 p.m. Central Time to midnight, and it's come as you go. Um, we've got the league, so you can show up, you can play your match. If you end up missing it, you know, we'll work with you to recover it over the week with your with your rival. And, you know, if you want to hang out and spend a Tuesday night, you know, chilling with some people, it's a good opportunity to uh, disconnect from your everyday life. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think that, yeah, that is a great, uh, that's a great plug for Tuesday Night X, but it's also a great plug uh, or a great fill in as to like where we are, what our mind is on at this time. And uh, there might, there'll, if you were to ask us the same question in another six months, we could be in a place where Tuesday Night X is practically running itself. And we're looking at the next, you know, how to, ex like I said, export it to LGSs, or there's going to be something else on our plate. Um, I think I had a couple of things I still wanted to touch upon before we moved into the uh, into the other parts of the show. But one of the things that has crossed my mind multiple times, and so I think this is like a one of those uh, truisms that I've now come to appreciate, but I haven't really heard a phrase to sum it up. But there's this situation that I find that by the time, the thing that you're working on today, by the time that it comes to, to fruition and it's just sort of like a foregone conclusion or you you attain it you will have already moved on to the next thing so by the time you attain what you're working on today you're going to be working on something else and it's almost going to just pass you by so to take take the time like when they say stop and smell the, fl the flowers 
that's sort of like what they're talking about. It's like, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be like, like we're working on Tuesday night X and people are, you know, then complimenting the game design. And we're like already so past some of the game design elements that we have to remind ourselves, oh yeah, we, we designed that. The thing that they're coming together mm -hmm. to play. There's other examples of this and like it happens on the, from the most minute detail to the biggest, broadest thing we're working on. Usually by the time that somebody stops and appreciates the work that you did, it's not, it's no longer the thing that you are concerned with and that you want to be appreciated for. So you kind of sometimes miss those compliments if you're not careful. Um, and the other thing I wanted to touch on, um, because it, this is more of a through line throughout the entire thing. This is something that like started with the beginning of the journey and is still going on today. Um, is I took it upon myself to be the, the designer of the game, the templator of the cards, all the aesthetics. And I was, I think, doing a pretty bang up job about it up into a point. So I was, I was almost underestimating my abilities um, uh, to, to bring the visual language of the game together, choose, choosing the fonts, you know, setting up the cards, putting the backgrounds on them, all that, until a certain point. And, you know, we can go, uh, I don't want to spend too much time. We've already talked for a lot, a long time, but there was a point where I, uh, we were getting together and we were trying to push the card design further. And I realized I lacked the, the ability to focus on it, the skill set to take it much further than where I had taken it as the designer. And I had to tell you, it's like, Danny, I think we have to find somebody to make this work. Um, to, to take this away from me and to take it away from us so that they can do better work than either of us could imagine. And that's when we start, we put it out there into the universe that we were basically looking for a designer and you quickly found a gentleman by the name of LD. I could say his full name, LD Forrest, uh, but wait, Forrest, right? <laughs> we'll cut this out. Correct. Yes. I found uh, that you found LD Forrest. Well, put it back in. <laughs> no, d okay. well, if you're going to put it back in, double it. <laughs> uh, so LD Forrest came to us. I, I think you had known of him before this, but it would seem like the perfect opportunity for you to actually like engage with him and ta start talking with him. And he has become one of our greatest allies in this, in this process. I mean, granted he's a, he's a freelancer. We're paying him, but in a way he's become a third person that we can like kind of like express these ideas about like the, the what's going on underneath the hood of the game, you know, why these aesthetics are important, why we need it, you know, certain decisions have to be made. And he's showing us a version of the game that um, I, I'm honestly, I could not have made myself. Um, and that I think that I'm much more confident in because at the end of the day, I think, I think this is going to be a pretty big deal. And the, I, the aesthetics, the iconography that is associated with the game is going to be very important. And I'm, it takes a huge weight off my back, which has already kind of been hurting recently, probably due to some of the stresses <laughs> of the game. Uh, it takes that huge weight off my back. It makes me feel confident that what we put out there will be have professional polish and not just be like a, um, up, a you know, an up-jumped amateur's attempt at creating an iconic game. Yeah, he definitely raises the stakes and makes it feel like, you know, we have to live up to the aesthetics of the game, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, I mean, do you feel like we're at a good place to summarize sort of the takeaways from, from this main topic or is there anything else you wanted to add before we, we close this? Uh... No, I, I, the main thing I wanted to add was just to shout out LD and the great work he's been doing and how he's kind of changed like the goal, uh, our goals and our, uh, you know, what we've been able to focus in on by taking on the design elements of the game. So yeah, I think just go, go into those key takeaways and I'm going to get myself prepared for the teaser for next time. Yeah, like I think, uh, you know, I really appreciate LD talking talking you out of uh, making the game super Mongol-centric. Key takeaways, start small, even relatively limited goals can grow into larger opportunities. Be prepared to be surprised along the way and remain adaptable. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that things must go the way you imagined. And when you encounter a big goal that is overwhelming, break it down into smaller goals uh, that feel achievable right like keep breaking it down until it feels achievable mm -hmm. i know we didn't really talk about that at all during the main topic and i was supposed to remind myself not to say that if we didn't but i forgot so i think it still stands by itself mm -hmm. so will feel free to leave this one in air um and i'll try to do better about uh, shoehorning in my takeaways into the main topic for the future <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i think a smart person not a smart person i should should be so uh flippant, but I think a person with more experience would say, you should write your key takeaways and then build the script backwards from there. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think that's what we'll be doing in the future. Um, <laughs> instead of writing the script as we start recording. Yeah, so. basically. And thank you, Danny, for getting, uh, well, we should stop. Uh, it should, it should be so much a script as it should just be uh, bullet points and reminders. But yes, I do agree. We need to, uh, we, we, that's one reason like I want to quit my day job because then on Saturday I can write the script, the, uh, the show notes for our record on Tuesday instead of yeah, you know, <laughs> writing starting it Tuesday morning and then handing it off to you Tuesday afternoon while I do other business about the game. Um, hey guys, it's not easy making a game, especially if you want to do everything that's involved. So definitely get those, get those calendars out, make a schedule. On our next episode, we have our very first guest, Kervin Kaliza from 4Y Games. And he's going to share his story about making his very first game, Allow Me to Mansplain. That's a real fun Very one. fun game. Yeah, very fun. Yeah. Especially for dramatic folk like Danny and I. He's going to talk about disrupting the board game industry with new ideas and playing his part to help grow the board game TikTok into a thriving community that it is today. So that's going to be on the very next episode of the Mega Moth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Shh. Don't tell anybody about it. Okay. Anyways, Danny, so probably our favorite portion of the show. I know your favorite portion of the show. It's Game of the Week time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is Game of the Week time. And this part is, is a two-parter because the first part. Um, so I was in Atlanta visiting my brother this weekend, amongst other things. And on Saturday, we got to go to a great uh, game store uh, in Marietta uh, called Gigabytes Cafe. Highly recommend that you check out Gigabytes if you are in the Atlanta area. It's an enormous store uh, with a, an enormous amount of board game uh, options, an enormous amount of trading card options, plenty of space to play your favorite games, whether they're card games, board games, or if you need you know, those tall tables for your miniature things that I'm sure we'll learn more about at some point in the future. But there was a great board game selection. And so, Joel, I bought you 
um, a little something while we were there. And I told you I would show it to you on the podcast. Oh, should I actually and be after looking we... at the video feed on my screen back here? Oh, yeah. Have you not been looking at me this whole time? No. Like, Danny, don't you, I don't know if you know this, but I can't see you whenever we record a podcast. I thought that that was uh, something that we had, uh, we had fixed. Okay, <laughs> give me a second. I'm going to grab it. Uh, and then after we do this, we'll, we'll play Game of the Week. How about that? Okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. So, Joel, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past uh, on the show. I'm fairly sure we have. Um, we've talked about some of your favorite um, games mm-hmm. of all times. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, as people familiar with the podcast might know, not sure, but might know, uh, your favorite game of all time is Cards Against Humanity. God, so why do you do this? Why do you spread lies about me? It's one thing to I say that you. I really relate to Genghis Khan and Margols, but to say that I enjoy Cards Against Humanity <laughs> is like practically a war crime at this point. Okay, so tell me more about Cards Against Humanity and the game you bought me. I bought you a Cards Against Humanity expansion. Not even the base game. <laughs> no, I just bought you the expansion. Well, it's not like you need anything. Okay, what 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 is it? It is the college pack. College. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh. <laughs> okay, that actually might decorate the shelf quite well. <laughs> classic Cards Against Humanity college pack. All right, all right, I, I can dig it. I'm going to give you this for next week. I doubt it'll ever get opened, but. <laughs> no, it doesn't need to be. That's, it, it, it's only there for the artwork. Beautiful artwork. Thank you, Danny. I actually, I, that actually turned out to be way more thoughtful and less trolly than I thought. I, 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 for me, the perfect gift both simultaneously trolls the person receiving the gift, but also tickles their fancy in a way that makes them uncomfortable about being trolled because of how much they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a delicate balance that I often yeah. uh, flub. <laughs> it, if you would indulge me, I could tell, I could tell a great uh, anecdote that kind of is the perfect troll gift to troll gift kind of uh, situation. Does it involve leaving my face up behind you for the rest of the podcast? Uh, if, I'm distracted by seeing myself be ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, oh. Still down there. You see, it wants it wants to have that little mini face. So, I think we did a. It wasn't like a secret Santa, but there was like a Christmas. I used to live with Lucas, your brother, and there was a Christmas uh-huh. that we all decided to do. I forgot exactly how it was laid out, but it was like poetic. And now I feel like I'm going to disservice the story. But basically, you were supposed to get everybody like three small gifts. But you know, it was it was like from. Oh, wait. No, it was just you were supposed to buy everybody a small gift. Now, I have this habit. I am a bit of a drinker, or at least I have been in the past. And, you know, from time to time, I still indulge. And at the time, I was a bad roommate. I confessed to my roommate's sins. If somebody left uh, beer in the refrigerator, like, ah, and I was having a few of my own, I would probably delve into their beers as well. So what I remember was I bought Lucas a... Um, a really nice beer, like a, a, you know, a tall boy, you know, a tall bottle of something nice. And I joked and trolled him by, you know, putting, you know, for Luke uh, from, it's like from Joel on the outside of it. Then we opened it up. He found the beer, but on the beer was a note that said for Joel, like the idea (laughs) being I was giving it to Lucas, but I would be the one who ended up drinking it. 
and then he stuck it to me really hard. And I think you took part in this part of it is he showed me, he took a video of him opening the beer or, or presenting the beer to me in the video. And then he opened it up and poured it on the ground. Yeah. So as, 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 as context that, so this, this was a secret, like a secret Santa gift thing where we said like, there were three different categories, something that you'll love, something that you would want to read and something that you'll hate. And so for the thing that oh. you would hate, you gave Lucas beer for yourself. And for the thing that you would hate, Lucas gave you a video of him pouring your beer. That's right. That was the context that made it poetic. That was beautiful. And I think I, whenever I think of like great moments in troll gift giving, it's that combo right there. Trolling is the gift that keeps giving. Yeah, it actually, I mean, I'm not a huge troll person, but my be best memories are the memories that are clearest in my mind are the ones that involve trolling. So <laughs> that was the present. Well, of the there's more where that came that from. That was the present of the week, Danny. And I do plan on making that a segment. Danny's present of the week to Joel. So just keep uh, thinking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but what is the game of the week? I'm definitely going to lean into the gifts that you're going to hate theme then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Game of the week. Yeah. This one is not one I came up with. This is one that I saw on TikTok. And when I saw it, I was like, we have to do this on the podcast. It's going to be too much fun. Okay. So I think it's called the alphabet challenge. Are you familiar, Joel? No, I am not. You can explain it to me. Okay. So we're going to take turns and we're going to have a conversation and we alternate. Each one says a line. And the only stipulation is that our sentence has to start with the next letter of the alphabet. Okay. Um, so I'll start with a and tee you up and we'll go from there. I'll see if I can do this. I'll let me sing the song to myself really quick. Okay. I think I got it. Um, any particular reason why you decided to remove your pants before getting on the roller coaster? Because I was worried that I would soil them. Could you have thought of another solution? Don't get me started on the solutions I came up with. They were mini, but quite dense and very impractical. Every time we come to the uh, amusement park, you s serve up that same tired excuse and still end up with your pants off on some form of attraction. Form follows function. God, that was a reach. <laughs> How is it that you always question my decision-making? I do this because my pants get in the way. They get very itchy. They get very soiled with all the attractions and excitement that I go through. I think that I found an elegant solution. In effect, it's because I am tired of bailing you out of jail. Just because you've had to do it 10 times doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Kitchen table math would suggest that it will. <laughs> Let me be clear. Arrest me 10 times? Shame on me. Arrest me 11th time? Well, there must be something wrong with the system. Maybe you shouldn't take your pants off so uh, freely in public. Nine! Oddly German. <laughs> <laughs> P 
please. Most of us are German here in America. That was the main, you know, uh, that's the main ancestry line. I think we should all embrace our heritage. Quit skirting the issue. You love Genghis Khan. <laughs> Resetting the conversation, I see. Well, my love for Genghis Khan can only go so deeply as I am quite ignorant to his exploits. Surely it goes quite deep. <laughs> that may be true. I may have a penchant for Mongolian grills and Mongolian, you know, war tactics and, you know, Mongolian lovemaking. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm some sort of uh, conophile. Undeniably the weirdest way you've tried to justify your interest in Mongolian things. Very well. I am convinced that that saying about Genghis Khan having, um, you know, spread been so prolific throughout his life that what a percentage a sizable percentage of the human race can, you know, uh, trace their lineage back to him specifically. Well, it's just fascinating. And, you know, just the idea that I would have somebody, anybody in my family tree to look up to, it's just too much for me. And you know what? I'm not even going to take a DNA test to verify if I could possibly be one of his descendants. I just want to believe. What, are the, what do you think is the likelihood that you actually are a direct descendant of Genghis Khan? Uh, xenophobia would have you believe that um, somebody of my complexion could never have been uh, descended from a man of uh, the Asian uh, continent. But as we have seen, it only takes a few generations of, you know, uh, you know, uh, breeding uh, outside of your distinct, you know, race to like sort of dilute those features. Uh, thoroughly, so I think that it's not outside of the question. I mean, I would say just as much as anybody else. I, I forgot what percentage that was, but it was, you know, I mean, anything above 1% is quite a, uh, a feat of a human. I think it's actually closer to 10. So I just give myself, I'd like take any 10 people off the street, and I just have as much likelihood of being genetically connected to Genghis Khan as any of those other folks. You really have taken this uh, and given it a lot of thought. Zero thought, actually. Well, that was a thing. <laughs> I feel like uh, you have uh, the ability to... You're a magician, Danny. You have like the magical words that can shape any conversation into what you want it to be. <laughs> well, I look forward to recutting that conversation. I I I, re, I feel for Will having to uh, do it. Uh, well, I mean, if if you have the time, Will, could you put a little you know letter tracker so people on screen can uh, keep track of which letter we're up to and anticipate it? 
Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Well, just let us know. Cause I mean, if it, I mean, I was just glad that I dodged that X. I was impressed that you came out with xenophobia though. I was trying to figure it. I, it was one of those things where I came to the word and then it was like, how do I actually make this work? <laughs> that That's like yep. most of the thinking that you saw me do. Cause it's, it's like, I st- of course I thought xylophone and X-ray first and foremost. <laughs> and I was like, I, that, that would be a cop out. I have to go a little further. Yeah, you went further. <laughs> well, folks, if that was... Uh, Some might say too far. Yeah, I was going to say, if uh, folks just let me know in the comments. Well, as I like to say, cancel me in the comments. You do like to say that? I think it's going to become my new catchphrase. Well, I'm sure Kervin and I can come up with something next episode. Uh, please do. I mean, I, I, if Kervin got me to say it, uh, would it really be racist? I'm going to ask <laughs> Will to bleep that. <laughs> A great idea. All right, folks. Uh, yeah. Well, Danny, do you have anything else you wanted to say this week before we go into the ending? No, I'm just super pumped for next week's game of the week because I've already got some really great ideas. And it's not very often that I get to play a game with you in person, which opens up a whole bunch of extra possibilities. Yes, folks. That's right. Tune in next week because not only are we going to have our first um, – guest on but it's going to be our first in-studio recording where all uh, Danny and myself are going to be in the same room at the same time so it's going to be a very special episode and if you want to learn more about it and potentially see uh, some um, like preview images or maybe behind the scenes video then you should probably follow us on social media that's uh, TikTok for the videos uh, Megamoth Studios is our TikTok account be, don't be surprised if uh, I make an appearance on there here in the next week or so and then for the photos, Instagram is a great choice. X underscore seekers underscore of underscore fortune on Instagram. Then uh, Facebook, you could probably just, you know, get a little bit of both there. Uh, that would just be X seekers of fortune. And then please come join us for Tuesday Night X and play the beta version of our game. Uh, you can find us at uh, Discord. Um, it's just X Seekers of Fortune on Discord. And if you look for X Seekers of Fortune on tabletopia.com, you can find the game and play it there. Um, and, but if you need to know how to play the game, you might want to check our website, megamothstudios.com, for the quick start guide and some other uh, tidbits and uh, tips and tricks about the rules. Um, we don't have an upcoming event quite on the books yet, though we are looking to schedule something with, uh, what was it, Gigabyte Games? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if we're ready to announce that yet. Okay. I don't want to put them under any pressure. Okay. Um, well, bleep that out, Will. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we will probably have an upcoming event here in September and possibly in your neck of the woods, if your neck of the woods is like the East Coast. Uh, we're talking to a number of different game stores right now. It's just a matter of timing, but um, we have high hopes to be in uh, a number of states before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and... Let's see. Uh, I guess one last time, Danny, anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, I just want to remind everyone to support their local game stores. Um, a dollar or two spent on a game means nothing to Target, Walmart, or Amazon, uh, but it can mean the world to your local game store. So really make an effort to go out there and spend the money in those walls, particularly if you are somebody who goes there to enjoy the community. Um, 
these folks are, are, are trying to make it every single day. It's not an easy uh, line of work to be in and anything that you can do to help them keep this, uh, this great service available to our community um, is going to be greatly appreciated. So support your FLGS. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get us out of here. I have been Joel Watts reminding you that you must start somewhere. So why not here? Thanks for listening.